Welcome to the Open Adoption Project. This is episode 72. We are the Nelsons. I'm Sean. And I'm Lynette. And today we are super excited to bring another episode that's an interview with an adoptee who grew up with an open adoption. So today we're going to be talking to Devony. And Devony is wonderful and I love how we were able to connect with her. I have a friend who I was talking to here in our hometown where we live and she and I were talking about open adoption and then she was like, you know, I've never like made this connection before, but I have a friend who grew up with an open adoption and she's like a mom now and has this really rounded perspective where she grew up with that open adoption. She's a parent now and it's this big thing. And she was like, and she was in the news because open adoption was so rare when she was little. Anyway, so I was super excited that we were able to connect. So this conversation is in our kitchen and the microphone is a lot closer to Devony. So I'm just going to apologize right now. The audio is not perfect, but it was really neat to have a face-to-face conversation in person about this. And so yeah, the audio is not perfect, but the conversation Oh, it was amazing for me. So enjoyable. I loved talking to Devony. Yeah, and editing this episode, listening to this conversation was really enjoyable for me, and we hope it will be for you too. And we'll recap some of our thoughts at the end. So we'll jump to our interview with Devony. So we are here on the podcast with Devony. Mm-hmm. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Devony, we're so excited to have you here. To start off, can we have you just share about yourself? Yes, for sure. Um, as far as like hobbies go, um, I am kind of a family history nerd. I love it. I love researching family history, uh, finding records, reading old newspapers. Like that's one of my big things I just kind of like gotten into as a young, I guess like 12 year old. And then just kind of, it's morphed into this whole new kind of obsession. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah. So I love family history. Um, I actually have kind of like, I don't know if you call it a hobby kind of, I actually help people find their birth parents uh, using genetic genealogy. So, um, that's actually how I found my birth dad. So I, uh, I love to be able to help people who don't know how to find their birth parents. Like, okay, here's the the tricks of the the trade with DNA. Here's some ways you can do it. Cause sometimes you'll get a really easy, Oh, here's your match and it's your parent, you know, it's your birth parent or it's your, you know, a close match. But if you get, if you don't get good matches, you can, it can take forever to find. So, um, I love doing that. I, I like to take my kids out in nature, in nature and, uh, soak up experiences. That's cool. kind of about me as far as like my hobbies and stuff. All right. Well, you're here because you are an adoptee. Yes. And you grew up with an open adoption. Right. So can you share your adoption story, whatever you want to share? Totally, totally. So, um, yeah, so we'll start from like the very, very beginning. Awesome. (laughs) Okay. So, um, my parents could not have kids. Uh, my mom tried some fertility treatments, like whatever they were doing in the 1970s. It didn't work out for her. Um, she, um, when she married my dad, cause she was previously married, but when she married my dad, um, he's like, Oh, we don't need to worry about any of that. He's like, let's adopt. And she's like, Oh my gosh, I'm so grateful that you want to adopt too, because she was kind of tired of doing all the fertility stuff. And, um, I think it just kind of, yeah, it was exhausting. And so, um, 
I think it was refreshing to her that my dad did not have this like obsession with having to have like his kids being a genetic carbon copy of himself. <laughs> so I think it's really cool that um, they were just like all in together. And like, as soon as they started the adoption process, they were both just gung ho about it, you know, and he was all about it. So, and I think that was, that's really neat that um, he didn't have this, this idea that he had to have like a genetic child. Right. Um, so they ended up adopting, um, my sister Hillary and then my sister Haley. And then, um, through the LDS, um, social services at that time, if you had two children in your home already, then they would, um, you know, kind of like, you weren't really going to be on the list for looking for a child anymore. They, you know, you had, they, they're like, okay, you have two kids. Like you're great. Let's, let's give like these other children, um, families that don't have any kids. Right. So, um, so my parents thought they were done and so grateful that they had these two kids. And, um, and those were both, um, I would call one, a. I think my older sister's was private, but also closed, um, because her birth mom did not want contact, but it was done through a private lawyer. And then my sister Haley, hers was, a um, a private adoption through LDS family services. So, but hopefully I'm not wrong on that. Anyway, anyway. And also that's, that's closed? Or yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Closed. Yeah. So the, yeah, the first one was a private close and the second one was, um, LDS Family Services closed because okay. I don't think they did open adoptions like the year that my yeah. sister was born. Um, anyway, so then like, I, I don't know, my mom would tell, be able to tell the exact date, but so they got, they adopted Haley and then like, I would say maybe like nine months later, my mom got a phone call from her brother-in-law who lived in Seattle and, or maybe it was her sister. I don't know. But anyway, my mom's brother-in-law was a doctor and he was doing his residency in Seattle and, or I guess he wasn't a doctor yet if we're being specific. I don't know how it works, but he was <laughs> doing his residency <laughs> and he, um, he had this woman come in and say, I mean, if I'm just summarizing my memory correctly, Hey, I, I want to, I am um, pregnant and I, um, I want to place the baby with a family and I do not want the baby to just go off into the distance and not know what happened to the baby. I know that you, I think he was doing like an OBGYN rotation or he was just, he delivered a lot of babies at that point. And she asked him if he had any, um, patients who, who he knew of that couldn't have babies that wanted to adopt. And, um, he, he told her, you know, I, he's like, I don't think I can legally tell you that. <laughs> so he's like, but if you happen to find a list of names on your way out the door, there might be a, there might be a list. I don't know. Like he was just trying to be like really careful. So he had made a list of people that he knew might be interested. And on her way out, she grabbed the list and she contacted people. And so, um, the doctor, he called my mom. Hey, cause they were, you know, that was his sister-in-law. Hey, just heads up. I just gave your name to this woman who is trying to, trying to place her baby and interested in placing her baby for adoption. And, um, so, so heads up, you might be contacted. And my parents are like, Oh, that's wonderful. Wow. You know, we thought we'd be open to that. So, um, my, uh, my birth mom, that was my birth mom. <laughs> my birth mom contacted the people on the list and, um, this is back in the day. So she just wrote them a letter and then the families wrote letters in, re in response. And so, um, 
I still have the letter that my dad wrote. My dad was like all in. He was gangbusters about it. Um, he, it's all typed up on like an old typewriter and he included pictures of like my, of them with their kids, you know, my sisters. And anyway, my, my birth mom was immediately attracted to the fact that there were already two kids in the home and that fact that they were also adopted. And, um, she loved the idea of me having siblings and especially sisters and um, she liked that our family had a faith background um, and she wanted me to be raised in some sort of like religion. Um, she wasn't raised in a religion, but she had some friends she really respected that um, were LDS um, faith. And so she liked that my family was LDS or Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And so um, she, she was attracted to the, the home life that she knew I would probably have. And then, um, yeah, so I think from then on, they exchanged maybe a couple more letters and then they started doing phone calls and, um, they decided, you know, let's do this. We want to do this. And she, you know, double checked with them. Hey, um, I, I really want to know, like, you know, I, I know my baby's going to go to you, um, and be part of your family. How do you feel about keeping this like open contact? and doing like the adoption through a private lawyer. And they were like, Oh, we have a friend who would do it here in Orange County. Like, so they were, yeah, that'd be great. Um, so, so, uh, yeah, they kind of just said, because they had had good experiences with her on the phone. Um, they're like, yeah, let's do this. And I also know that my mom has said the reason why they felt so good about it was because they already had two children and, you know, that were adopted. And my mom said, you know, if you were our first, it might've been hard for us to imagine doing an open adoption because, you know, when you're a new mom and you're adopting a baby, you might have some insecurities. It's unknown terrain. But my mom was just like, you know, we already had these two girls. Um, we felt confident as parents. We knew that it's love that makes a family. It's not your DNA. So by the time your birth mom, you know, and, and we talked about this, we felt comfortable. I mean, and they knew that my birth mom was like a, a healthy, a mentally healthy person who wasn't going to be intrusive in our lives. And so they just, yeah, they drafted up some sort of, I guess, legal thing and they made the adoption. Well, not finalized. Yeah, obviously, but she, um, my mom's going to listen to this and she's going to be like, you have some of these things wrong. Anyway, as far as I know, yeah, she was like, okay, well, I would like you guys to be part of um, the birth. If you guys want to come to Seattle, awesome. if you want to come, um, then I want you there if you want to be there. And this was like crazy because back then no one was doing open adoptions really. And Was there even a term for open adoption? Do you know? I that think there might have been because of a story that happens nine months after I was born. Okay. And I'll tell you that part, but, uh, in a minute, but, um, I'm not sure. Yeah. That's a good question. I don't know if that, that term, but, um, like open adoption was a, quite a term yet, but I, I heard it. My family heard it for sure. Nine months later, uh, nine months after I was born. Um, but, um, anyway, so my dad, his parents happened to be living in Seattle at the time, which is just crazy. So my parents flew in around my due date and stayed with um, my dad's parents. And then when Carla was going into labor, um, they they headed over to the hospital. So yeah, and it was a long labor, so they had plenty of time to get there. <laughs> but, and then my mom told my mom, my birth mom told my mom, um, 
I want you to hold her first. So my mom got to hold me first. Yeah. And I have some really cool pictures um, of, of just like the people that were there and um, my mom holding me. And I also have a picture of my birth mom looking at me like you could just see hope and like um, contentness in my birth mom's face. Like it wasn't this like somber, sad moment, at least in the picture. She could tell that I was going to a good family and she was very happy about her choice. I mean, that's just because of who she was, where she had been in her life. I think she she just felt very good about my family. And anyway, you can just see in the picture, like she has a smile of contentedness um, and there's just a warmth radiating from her. It, I just, it's, it's really beautiful for me to see that um, moment, you know, ah. but it was, it was very difficult. She, you know, my birth moms told me later, um, it was very difficult for her mom, my grandma Fran. Uh, I was the first granddaughter and, um, she had offered, you know, Hey, let's, let's take, we'll take care of the baby. And my birth mom's sister, my aunt Kathy, she even offered like, Hey, maybe we'll adopt her. Cause they had a son yeah. like a couple years before I was born. And Carla just had this conviction, like, no, I feel so good about this family and I really want, I really want this for my baby. And, um, anyway, so it was just kind of really neat to see her resolve. Um, and yeah, I just like kind of know that like, for me, I felt like it was a very guided resolved decision that she felt very like led to, you know? So anyway, yeah. So that's kind of like the very beginning. So my parents, um, I think I, they, they, on adoption, official adoption day. I mean, they were there at the moment I was born. And, um, then after all was, I think everything was fine. All was well. They, they stayed at my grandparents' house in Seattle. And then we flew back to Orange County, uh, where my parents were living at the time. Uh, I was like two weeks old and I got like this first, first flight certificate. I still have it. It's like, I was just in my file. My mom always kept in my file. It's cute. Amazing. And yeah. so you grew up with yeah, my Carla and your Life. Yes, I grew up with my birth mom, Carla, in my life. So yeah, that, and that, that'll take me to that spot. I want to tell you about the word open adoption. So when I was about nine months old, my family had, or maybe I was 10 months old. Yeah, because my mom told me that. Um, when, when I was about 10 months old, our family moved from Irvine to San Luis Obispo, California. And um, so just like a few miles or a few hours up the coast. And somehow... I don't know. I have to, I'll have to ask, but somehow someone at Como News in Seattle, Washington, like it's like one of their big news, I don't know, companies up there. Someone found out about us and I don't know, I have to ask how it all happened, but um, they were doing a special uh, on Como News about open adoption. And like, I have the video of the special that they did. Um, they flew my birth mom down to San Luis Obispo to see me for the first time after I was born. And so, you know, she's, uh, yeah, she's, she's just come down from Seattle and like this woman comes on like the screen and says, it was the news anchor or whatever. She says, what I'm about to tell you may be shocking. <laughs> like, it's just really <laughs> interesting. Um, but like, I'm not sure if I get the wording quite correct, but it might be shocking, but, um, there is a new, um, a new form of adoption that is called open adoption. And here's how four families are coping with this, with this new adoption <laughs> thing. <laughs> I don't know like exactly how to say it. And so 
we were one of like the four people that they like interviewed and stuff. Um, I just think it's funny that this is maybe shocking because like by the time I watched that clip, I was like, I don't know, probably five or something when I saw that. I'm like, shocking. What do you mean? Doesn't everyone have a birth mom? I'm really confused. Like I just, so Carla came down and they did this cute story of just like, you know, explaining like, oh, Carla's in contact and, you know, and the family is letting her come visit and, and she gets to hold her baby and she gets updates, you know, for birthdays. And so my parents, um, they kept it just like friendly and cordial with her and just, and my birth mom, I think she naturally is kind of a private person. And so, um, I feel like, um, she didn't want an excess of communication. She didn't want to insert herself. She just wanted to make sure I was happy. And she, I think she probably just wanted to know that she made a good choice. And I think it, yeah, it felt good for her to get the updates and to like have open communication. Um, so we, from what I remember, like I still have these like little envelopes, like we would exchange photographs and there would be phone calls. I remember like on my birthday growing up, I'd always get a phone call from Carla on my birthday. I'd always get like a Christmas present and, you know, just, um, and then my, my, um, grandma Fran, Carla's mom, um, I remained very close to her throughout, um, my whole, my life and her whole life. So that was like a very treasured relationship from having an open adoption. And just, I always felt so comfortable and normal around Carla and talking to her. And it just always made me feel so secure. Like, oh yeah, like, yeah, my birth mom, she really wanted the best for me. So I get this family and I have these sisters and like, doesn't everyone like, it just didn't cross my mind that people, I just thought that's how families were. You know, I just, it felt so normal. It felt very natural. Yeah. And like when I was, when I, like one of my first memories, I might've been like, for, I don't know. Um, because you know, that doctor after the adoption was final, that doctor became my uncle because the doctor's wife is my mom, Marilyn's sister. So like that doctor, um, you know, and like we would go visit my mom's sister and you know, my uncle Adrian, we'd, we'd go visit them every once in a while in Seattle. And whenever we'd go visit them, we'd also make a detour and go see Carla and Fran. And so, um, I think I have this memory of visiting them when I was like three or four and meeting Carla's um, husband and, um, yeah, I don't, I think she was, she, I don't remember if Kelsey was there. So she had, my, my birth mom had three kids after me. Um, so yeah, anyway, but I just, I had like some fun footage also on family video cameras and stuff of just visiting them and just, I've, I've always known my grandma. I've always known my aunts and my uncle, you know, from my birth family. And it's just, it was just always kind of like, I felt I was special. I'm like, this is, this is great. I get to visit my birth family. And the word birth family was a very normal word in my life. I think I remember like the first time learning about birth mom was like, I don't even remember. It was like, I've always known that word. I don't know. Yeah. So, and I always thought Annie was such an interesting story. I'm like, I'm like, Annie didn't know her birth mom. That's so weird. (laughs) And then what about your sisters who were also adopted? Yeah. Or was there ever any like tension or anything because they didn't know their birth? I don't think so. Like there, I don't think they, like, even if, if there was, like they never outright said like, well, it's, it's no fair. You get to know who your birth mom is. And I think that they just maybe just kind of were onlookers. They, they liked the trip to Seattle. <laughs> like, I don't know. They just kind of like, oh, interesting. But my, um, my grandma friend would always send gifts for my sisters, yeah. um, like as well, like she would send gifts. Um, 
like when she sent me presents, like for Christmas, she would send my sister's presents. I love that. Yeah. Just like she was just, she made the kids feel like everyone had a, like that grandma friend was kind of a little bit part of them yeah. too. I don't yeah, know. I felt like she was grandma. Yeah. I mean, not like, not just like, I mean, they wouldn't like have that same like visit or whatever, but, um, they, you know, at least once a year they got a present from grandma friend as well. So yeah, that was, and then, um, when I was about 12 or right before, like I was 12, my grandma friend asked my mom, Hey, um, would you ever be willing to let Devani come up here and visit for a little bit during the summer? And my parents were like, yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> like we, you know, if she wants to do it, she can totally come up. So I, when I would think when I was 12, my mom and I went to the San Jose airport or something. And then, you know, my mom, like, I think she could walk me to like the gate at that time. And, and like, you know, right when I get on like the, or the, the airplane. So I got on the airplane and then when I got to Seattle, my birth mom was at the airport, like right at the gate to pick me up. So my first like solo flight was, I think I was 12, um, to go see my, my grandma, Fran. So I stayed with my grandma, Fran for like, I don't know, maybe a week. And then Carla came down to visit us from Seattle because Fran lived in, um, Lacey, Washington by Olympia. And so Carla would come down and just like visit. Cause you know, she had, I think she, by then she had two kids. Um, and then, yeah, so she had a job and two kids. And so she came down to visit, but I stayed with my grandma friend. It was super fun. And then every summer after that I would visit and then I would start going to Carla's house for part of the trip too. So I would see my siblings, my half siblings. So fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then I just had a blast getting to know my cousins that were right in Lacey as well, getting to know my aunts. And it just, it always just made me feel like I just had like, how do I feel about it? I just, I felt like I belonged there too. But every time I was going home back to California, I'm like, oh, I'm so excited to go home to my, to be with my family. Like I always had, I had such a great time with them, but I always had this like feeling of, okay, I'm so glad. Like I got this time with them and I am so excited to go home. Like it was just like this really good balance of, enjoying my time, but knowing where home actually was, you know, but I always felt, I always felt like I belonged in both places. That's awesome. So yeah, it was like a really a good feeling of like belonging, you know, and feeling like I had more people to love that loved me. Yeah. I feel like that's a common thread that I hear from adoptees that they don't feel like they belong maybe with either of their families. Mm-hmm. And so I love that you were able to feel. Yeah. Loved. Oh, totally. Yeah. It's, I almost felt like, uh, like when you go, or I guess when you see it in a movie, like someone lands on an Island and then like, you know, the people on the Island are like, you are an honored guest. Like, come, you know, like, I just felt like an honored, like an honored guest whenever, whenever I would go that my birth family always made me feel very special. I'm like, they were very excited to spend time with me and you know, we always had some good, meaningful conversations and, uh, yeah, my grandma friend was like the best conversation when she's from the South and it was a delight. It was always a delight to talk with her and just get, soak up all her stories and stuff. And my grandpa. And, That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. It was really, really special for sure. How cool. Yeah. All right. So with your unique experience where your adoption was always open, do you feel like you had maybe a contrasting experience from other adoptees your age or your sister's? Um, I don't, I mean, I'm sure, I'm absolutely sure I had a different experience. 
Um, I'm sure that, um, well, we, you know, you, you just kind of know everyone processes their adoption differently mentally. I think me knowing I was adopted from the beginning, well, we all knew from the very beginning, my parents were very open about the fact that they adopted every, like all of us, like they never tried to keep that secret from the kids or uh, they were always willing to talk about it. Um, but yeah, I think that it, I, I think looking back, I'm, and after talking with other adoptees, I know that um, knowing my birth family has made a difference for me um, with maybe my, uh, may, maybe like my confidence of my core person. Like I feel like a lot of adopt- adoptees might not have so much confidence in like this core person that they are. Um, but that's me speaking like not from the, like I don't, I'm not, I don't know what they feel exactly, but my observation is for on, on like my end of it is I always had a very strong sense of confidence of who my core person was um, because there was no mystery. And I mean, I, I it's obviously not my, my siblings fault that they didn't know um, who their birth parents were, but I think it did help me um, just kind of like, yeah, I would, I would just bounce off to Seattle and bounce back and you know what I mean? And then, Oh, I can't forget to say, this is really a huge part of our story as well. Um, when I was about four years old, I believe, um, my family felt very impressed to adopt a young woman who was, um, 12, um, who was in a foster home. And so we adopted my sister McKay. Um, I think we started maybe, maybe the process, which is just 12 or maybe 13. Anyway, I don't remember life without her. So she's always been my sister in my brain. Cause I hardly have any memories before that, but she has this whole other story too. And hers was from, um, being placed in, in a, her first family, her birth mom, um, she was placed in her first family as a, like, I think a brand new newborn. And then her family, um, her first, I call it her first family. <laughs> so there's birth family, then her first family. And then us, um, her first family, when she was, I think 12, they gave her up for adoption. Oh. And I, like, I can't even imagine the absolute, like, like just shock and like, what that does to your inner core. You know what I mean? But that's obviously, it's not my story to tell at all, but, um, it's a huge part of our family story that my parents were like, she, she belongs with us. Like they felt very strongly that she belongs, belonged with our family. And so I think with the, they'd gone through the, my parents had gone through these different experiences with, you know, their, the first two sisters, then me, and then McKay ended ended up being the oldest you know, so she's adopted the last, but she's the oldest of all of us. And so that, um, my parents just have a lot of experience with adoption and the different types and like what that looks like. And, um, yeah, like how it affects people, how people's story affects them in their adoption. So my sister McKay, like her, her story, she, I'm sure she processes her story quite differently than I do because she had a first family that, that, um, ended up giving her up for adoption. I don't even know if that's even legal anymore. I don't think you could do that. I don't understand. I don't know. Yeah. So they ended up having biological children after her, like a, like a lot. So I don't think, I think they didn't know they could have kids maybe. And then they, so they adopted her and then all of a sudden they had like five kids and I don't know. I really don't know their story, but, um, but yeah, so I think she, you know, she had two layers of being placed yeah. And I, I'm sure that she processed that very differently. So it, it all, I think it all boils down to how you process your experiences. And I was fortunate enough to be able to 
know about my situation from a very early age and to have like a lot of support around it. And I think my parent, my sisters would also agree that they had a lot of support about being adopted. And like, it wasn't this mystery, like, yeah, you're adopted and we love you and we chose you. We wanted you, you know, but yeah, we all have different stories. Like, um, yeah, like I could just go on and on and on for days, but I'll, I'll let you ask me some more questions. It'll probably prompt. Yeah. Some more things. So interesting. Yeah. So how do you feel like your experiences with the openness might have led you to where you are today? Um, it definitely, um, like I said, like I felt always felt confident as an adopted person. Um, it made me really excited to find my birth dad because I had such a good experience with my birth mom. And I was like, yeah, this is normal. This is like, it's not a big deal. Like, but it's extremely important to me. I want to know who my birth dad is, you know? And I think that gave me confidence to go out and look and feel, feel like I could go, like I could answer this huge question inside of me. Uh, I could move forward with confidence because this, because of this open exchange. And, um, also like something my mom always says as she's almost been on this journey with me, uh, my mom, Marilyn, um, people always wait, which mom? I'm like, okay, sorry. <laughs> but yeah, so she always says, you know, love is not territorial. And she learned that early on. My mom learned that early on because her mom passed away when she was 13 and her dad remarried a widow who had six children. And, um, so her, her stepmom was just a very loving, embracing woman. And, and it, you know, my mom had four siblings, four siblings. And then, so there were five of them, the stone family, and then there were six jolly kids. And so when the parents got married, they were the jolly stones. <laughs> I know, right. Um, but like, there was no question like they were a family there. And I think, I mean, it was in the fifties, I believe when they, um, late fifties, I think when they combined families. And so my mom, she was like, yeah, love is not territorial. Like I, my, her siblings who she identifies as her siblings, not step siblings. She's never called them step siblings ever. I've never heard her say my step brother or my stepsister. I've never once heard my mom say my stepmom. It's always my mom, Jean, you know? So it's really interesting. I think my mom had this perspective of, like love has no territories um, because of the way that her family was blended when she was a young teenager. And so when she's adopting, my mom's adopting her daughters, she's like, it's more people to love. And the fact that my birth family was involved, my mom's like, oh, well, there's more people that love my daughter that care about her well-being, that like want to have a healthy relationship with her. Fantastic. Like she just, my mom always made me feel like, um, yeah. And as I was discovering my birth dad and, and my, all my new siblings I have, my mom just always says, isn't it, isn't it just so great? There's just more people to love. And I'm like, ah, so yeah, my mom had a huge part in framing my attitude about, um, open adoption and like what people being a part of your family actually means, you know? Yes. So, beautiful. Yeah. yeah. My mom's a rock star. Absolute rock star. <laughs> um, so yeah. So, so you did find your birth dad. Yes. It's such a saga. Do you want me to go into it now or later? I would love to hear it. Okay. (laughs) It's so crazy. So um, when I was, I was probably 14. Oh, actually, let's see. I'll go back. When I was 12 or right before I turned 12, my birth mom sent me for, I think it was Christmas because I have a January birthday. So I think it was either Christmas or my birthday. It might have been my 12th birthday. My birth mom sends me an old photograph of one of our ancestors. And on the back is a family tree. 
And that was my first exposure to, I mean, my first like cognitive exposure to family history and the very dawning of my obsession. (laughs) It was just like, I saw this picture of this woman from Ireland, this beautiful young woman. She's like 22. Um, she, it's a black and white photo and I think it was taken in like the 1870s and on the back it says something like, um, photo of, um, of Anna, um, Colgan taken right before she got on the ship to come to America and she came all by herself and, um, and then it had this family tree and, um, at the, you know, at the very bottom, it had Carla's name, like, you know, trickled down, like it trickled down from like Anna Mary Colgan and, you know, she's my ancestor from Ireland and who came to America. And then, you know, it shows everyone else on the tree and then it trickles down to me and like right above me is my birth mom's name, Carla. And then, um, right next to, um, her name is this other name. She wrote down my birth dad's name. I was like, what? Like in my brain, I had never thought of a birth dad. I don't know what. I just, what? Um, so that kind of blew my mind. And so I called her. I'm like, will you tell, like, actually, you know what? I don't, I don't want to like say the, the wrong time frame, but I don't think I called her or asked her about it really. I don't even, it's weird. I don't even think I, I wasn't registering it. I don't know. That's so weird. I'm not thinking about it, but she, I called her and I was like, Will you, maybe, maybe when I got it or like a, a couple years later, I'm like, will you tell me more about, I'll just say David because the name on it was David. <laughs> um, and, um, anyway, so I was like, will you tell me more about David? And so, yeah, she told me a little bit about it. Oh, you know, he was a student at university of Washington and, you know, um, like said something like, oh, we, we met when we were playing pool or something. And, you know, she just like, she, she told me what she remembered. And, um, yeah, I was probably, I think I was about 14 when I asked her this stuff. So I, I'd had the family tree for like a couple years, but, um, but yeah, so I just, uh, started asking her about it. She gave me some information and, but like, it was f- from what I remember, like he, he, I think he might've known that she was pregnant, but like, said something like, I, you know, I can't, I can't do this. I'm, you know, I, I'm a student. Da, 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 da. Like, I, I don't know exactly how the conversation went down, but, um, she just decided like, I'm taking care of this on my own, you know? So I, I think that, I don't know. He, he didn't even know what happened to me. Um, you know, that was kind of, that was, that was like the story that I was told. And so when I was about like 20s, Oh, I'd always like, this was before Google. Like I was like, how can I find this guy? Because she didn't know where he went. I just had a lot of curiosity. I didn't need a new dad. I had a lot of curiosity about my birth dad. I just wanted to know like, okay, I want to know more about him. Like I really have this love for family history and genealogy. That I just like, I want to know all the things. So finally like Google's invented and I'm like, or I think it was like Ask Jeeves. If you remember the Ask Jeeves engine, I was like searching his name and every little detail she told me about him. And I kept running into roadblocks, but finally in my early, like when I was like 25, I finally must've searched the right thing and I found him. And I knew I found him because it was everything she had told me details wise. And it was all on this like bio about this man in California. He was now in California. So I'm married at the time now and my husband and I like, go and see Mama Mia. Like I, I think I was having a bad day and he's like, let's go. I know you want to see Mama Mia. Let's go see Mama Mia. And it was all about this girl finding her birth dad. Right. I'm like, well, so I finally write this man, David, this letter. And I say, Hey, here's about, here's about me. 
here's my, here's a little bit about my story. I love my family. Like I don't, I don't need a, like a replacement family. I just want to let you know, like, Hey, I'm here. If you ever want to meet, let me know. If you ever want, um, any communication, here's my parents' address. They can always forward it to me wherever I am. So I didn't hear anything back for like years. I know I'd always send a Christmas card, like just like the one you send to everybody on your list, nothing like personal on it. Um, and for years. And then finally in like 2015, I just, I, I saw this ancestry DNA commercial and something inside of me just like burst. And it was just like, you need to do this. And I was like, okay, yeah, I haven't heard from him. I'll just take the DNA test so I can learn about my ancestors. Maybe if I find DNA matches, I can just find out about our family history. Right? So I take the DNA test and I don't know if you know much about, um, genetic genealogy or just like ancestry DNA or whatever, but when you get your matches, you can, a lot of people who do it through ancestry, they like family history. So you'll see their family trees that they have posted. So I started looking through my matches, family trees, and none of their ancestors had the last name of the man that she had told me was my birth dad. And I was like, this is really odd. Like, and it's something just didn't feel like it was adding up. And I, so I just started like YouTube, like YouTube video tutorials about like, um, how to find, uh, you know, your birth parent using your DNA matches. And so I was just like looking through all these trees, trying to force that name to be correct, trying to force find, I guess, I'm like, I've got to find that last name. And it's in someone's family tree and all my matches. Anyway, my friend who's adopted, she's like, Dev, you just have to let go of like the stories. Not that they were lies, but that like, it was a long time ago. And you know, the story, it might actually be a different story than you originally told. She's like, you need to let go of the story. You need to let go of the name David and you need to let the DNA do the talking. So long, like long story short, because it took me a long time to to figure out how to do genetic genealogy. Um, I finally learned how to do it. And I was led to this one, like I was using my fourth cousin matches. I was, um, yeah, fourth cousin matches far back. Yeah. really far back. I, I don't, I learned all these DNA hacks and like, I found the common ancestor of four of my fourth cousin matches. This man's name was Melvin Simpson from the 1800s. And I researched his descendants until I like using all these DNA hacks landed on this family. Um, and well, the thing is when I got my results back, like if you see me, like I am very obviously like a white woman, like I, you know, if in this day and age, you'd be like, yeah, she's a white woman, right? Like Irish, Swedish, like, um, English, uh, I, German, like I had all my DNA came back and then my DNA also says native American on it. And it was like, four percent and I was like well that's not just a smidge like I mean to people that don't know about DNA that's just a speck but it's actually not a speck that means you have a full blood relative who um within the last 200 years so it's a it's a big part of your story so Melvin Simpson had a lot of descendants you can imagine like you know it just exponentially gets bigger down the family tree so I was like how am I gonna find the right family I only have fourth cousin matches on this side um, so someone's family tree posted a picture of a native American woman. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I started looking into that. I started emailing the person with that tree and that person was my match. And he's like, I'm like, yeah, I think I would share more DNA with you. If I descended from this woman that you posted from, did that woman have a sister or a brother? And he's like, yep, she had one sister. So I looked into that woman, um, Maud. So Rose was his, where he was from. And then I looked at Maud and Maud's descendants. And then I started, I contacted someone with a family tree for, under Maud and I said, Hey, 
I, um, here's my story. I was adopted. I'm like, I was born in Seattle. The way that we're genetically related looks like it could very likely be closely related to you. And perhaps one of your close relatives is my birth dad. And this woman, like she emailed me back right away. She's like, Oh my gosh, I have the chills. <laughs> She's like, you know, all about my ancestors. And she said, all three of my brothers were in Seattle in the 1980s. And I was like, three? Is this Mamma Mia? What? Anyway, no. <laughs> She's like, let me contact them. And then they'll, like me, like I will, or they will get in touch with you. So like a day later, two of her bro- three brothers got and emailed me. One said, I'd love to help you with family tree. I like family history as well. Um, let me know if you have any questions. Here's what I have. And the other one said, hey, I think we should talk. Because I sent a picture of myself and my birth mom for her to send to them. And he's like, hey, I think we should talk. So um, anyway, long story short, he and I ex- like just had like email conversations for a while. And then um, he's like, I, you know, and then he's like, I'd love to help you. I'd love to do a DNA test for you. He's like, I think there's a strong chance that I'm your birth dad. And so um, he took the DNA test and yeah, 100%. He's my birth father. And his name is not David. His name is Hans. <laughs> And um, so I've been sending a Christmas letter to the wrong person for years. Oh my goodness. I never replied. Uh, and he never replied, but I did send him a letter to let him know. I'm, hey, I'm really sorry. This is the story that I knew. And um, you're off the hook, basically, in like a nice way. <laughs> but my, my real birth dad, Hans, he had not a clue I existed. Not one speck of knowledge. And he's the kind of person. He's just such a sweetheart, too. He's like... I say, man, if I had known, you'd be, you'd be a part of our, you'd have been a, a part of our, our lives. Cause he, you know, he got married and had ki- five kids. He's like, you would have absolutely been part of our lives. We would have just had you come right on in. You know what I mean? So yeah, his, um, uh, him and his wife started dating like a month after my birth mom and him had met at a party. <laughs> like, yeah. So like there was no overlap or anything weird. Like it was just like, he had met my birth mom. They had a fun night. And then like, I guess from what he said, he wanted to take her out again, but she's like, Oh, I'm not really, I'm not really dating right now, you know? And so it's just funny because yeah, she just, she thought it was one guy and it was actually a different one. Yeah. And so, um, so how long did it take from the time you got your ancestry results to when you found him? Okay. So I did my DNA test in 2015 and I had a huge learning curve of trying to figure out how to do this. And also I thought it was the, a different guy. So I was looking, I was looking up the wrong trees literally for him. Um, and then I found Hans and well, I contacted him the very end of 2016. It was like Thanksgiving. So it took like a full year. And then we met in March of 2017. Awesome. So yeah. And it's just been incredible learning about his family, like trees and like my, you know, my family trees on his side. And that's something I absolutely would love to talk about too, is like, after some of your questions, I would love to talk about like how knowing my, how knowing my birth parents' family history has affected my life. I would love to talk about that now. It's a yeah. huge, oh, perfect. I was like, it's a huge part of, I believe my confidence as an adoptee. Yeah. When I was like four years old, my dad's business no, my, not my dad's secretary invited our family to a Santa Lucia festival for Christmas, the Swedish Christmas festival or whatever. And my mom was like, oh yeah, like on your, on your adoption um, records, your birth mom put down that you are part Swedish. Um, 
or Scandinavian, you know, and she's like, this is, um, this is something really special because this is what they do in Sweden. There's a, a woman that brings out like lights and her name is Santa Lucia. And, you know, do you want to do this? And like, they, they needed like little kids to kind of like be part of the production. And so like, my mom was like, this is part of your, this is part of your ancestry. My mom was like, it, it's on your file. See, look, it says this. And she's like, it's, it's really, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, it's so special. Wow. This is part of my ancestry. That was probably my first encounter with, like with family history was that. Santa Lucia thing when I was like four. There's a picture of me <laughs> wearing like a red turtleneck and red tights and like being so proud of myself with like a tr like a, like a wreath of candles above my head. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> so um, so as a matter of fact, this I I mean I don't know how she I don't know how my birth mom knew because may, maybe maybe David had Swedish ancestry, but like little did my birth mom know that Hans had a ton of Swedish ancestry. So it's kind of like because she had put. That the, the known birth dad had was Scandinavian ancestry, and it wasn't that guy, right? But it was Hans, and Hans's grandpa was fresh off the boat from Sweden in 1922. So, so it was just kind of like really cool that it ended up being true. Um, so, but yeah, like getting that getting that family tree when I was like 12 for my birth mom was amazing. Like, I just start my aunt my aunt Vicky, my mom's like sister, um, that her mom had kind of like wasn't even part of like the blended family of my mom's family, but like another person, my mom's mother, grandma Jean just brought into the fold. So we call her aunt Vicky. She loves family history. And she's like, let's learn about this. So she sat down with me at family history libraries and explained how to search census records on microfilm. This is before the internet. Like I just, I just always loved it. And I just loved seeing the names and the places and like wondering what their stories were like. And just, I don't know. It just gave me a lot of like, oh yeah, like I love my pioneer ancestors from my family that I know about. And mom was always really good at explaining stuff like that. But it was really neat to see my birth family's line, my birth mom's line and be like, oh, these guys were like some tough stock. They went through a lot. And you know, they were in the Carolinas. They would, they would um, work whatever cotton mill was hiring. So they would bounce back and forth between North and South Carolina, depending on which mill was hiring. Cause it was just like sporadic, I guess. So I just, Kind of, I loved learning about it. I loved knowing their names. It just, and I loved that picture of Anna Mary Colgan. It's still on my mantle of my ancestor who came from America all by herself when she was 22, just because she just knew that there was a better life out there for her. I just, it just gave me so much confidence. And then learning about my birth dad's family history is just, has just been absolutely fascinating. It's just, I don't know, like it, it's like this puzzle piece that I didn't know was missing got filled in every time I learn about my ancestors, like, it's just like, Oh yeah. Like this makes so much sense. And, and then it's crazy because a few years ago I saw this study that had come out in New York city. They had done this. Um, they started to study before nine 11, like before they knew obviously anything was happening about what the effect on knowing your ancestors stories had on your life. And they, they were studying children ages 10 to 12. And, um, they said they started the study and then all of a sudden like 9-11 happened. There's just a massive trauma that the whole city's going through, the whole country, right? And they kept the study going and they found like with verifiable evidence that the kids that knew their family history were much more resilient and um, much more happy. And like after going like after going through trauma, they were they were much more resilient and they were able to be really happy. Just knowing. That's incredible. Yeah, and I, it's a really I, I have the study. It's um, it, I could look it up in a second, but um, it's just fascinating because I feel like that really anchored me. It really gave me like a strong sense of 
like, uh, just, yeah, like resilience. I've just been like, oh yeah, like I'm not just this like, like alien that just came down and landed on the space needle. My dad always joked about that. Actually, it's kind of funny. <laughs> He's like, oh yeah, we picked up in Seattle, the space needle. They dropped you down. My dad had like a very colorful, hilarious sense of humor. Um, like, oh dad, you know, he was and every birthday. My dad would tuck us in and say, let me tell you about the day, the day, like the day you were born. Or let me, to my sisters, let me tell you about the day that, that you came into our family. Like he would, he loved telling us that. And I think those stories really helped us. But yeah, the ancestor thing, I, that really carried me through like the awkward teen years of just being an awkward teenager, like whether or not I was adopted or not. Like just, it, I really noticed the difference. Like when I look back, I'm like, oh yeah. Like just knowing my ancestors' names where they came from, that was huge. And then like, as I've got a newspapers.com, not, not a plug, but why not? Um, a newspapers.com like subscription is really fun to read their stories or just if you get, to, if you're lucky enough and you find like a story on some ancestry site or whatever. But yeah, I think that's huge. I think knowing your ancestor stories is really big for an adopted person. Like, um, even just knowing like when I was four, knowing that, oh, my ancestors might've celebrated this Swedish Christmas custom. I just made me feel just a little bit special, you know? So I think that's huge, huge for, for kids is even knowing like small bits of family history for adoptees is really, really cool. That's beautiful. And so you say that you work also with helping people find their ancestors now. Yes. They're, their birth families. Their birth families. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And I actually, I love helping them find their ancestors too. Cause a lot of the times it's been like older people that, um, like, you know, maybe people fifties plus that, um, that never knew their birth parents. And now maybe their birth parents have passed on, but like, I love finding their birth parents for them. And, and if their parents have passed on, I love being able to share, well, Hey, I found this about your ancestors. This is some really cool stories. And so they, they love that. Like if they can't have that relationship with their birth parent or like get to know them, they can at least get to know how the family like came to America or just, you know, anything, how they strived through life's trials so yeah it's incredible wow yeah so what advice would you give to potential birth and adoptive parents um regarding your experience with open adoption and knowing mm-hmm. about your roots what advice would you give before these parents are considering it mm-hmm. what sense? yeah i would say um if it's a yeah if it's appropriate do an open adoption, have, ba- I mean, have boundaries around it. I don't know what the boundaries were as far as it, like what, what was in the legal document, but my parents, um, I think it was just kind of like, yeah, like let's exchange like pictures and like, let's do some phone calls throughout the years, you know? And then just grew into feeling like comfortable and like, yeah, sure. Let's have her go up to see you for a few days in Seattle during the summer. Um, I would say, yeah. So if it's, if it's uh, appropriate for the, like if the birth mother, is mentally well enough and mentally mature, emotionally mature enough, then yeah, like it's, it's, it's a great opportunity if that's the case. And also, um, oh man. Yeah. Like I just think, yeah, it is it, just a matter of, yeah. Keep keeping it just really normal. Like kids should know the word birth mom, like, like they know the word aunt, like Val, <laughs> like, I don't know. Just like, yeah. Oh yeah. Your birth mom sent this to you. And like, as early as they can retain a word is when they should know the word birth mom. And I'm sure like now that's general practice. I'm sure most, most open adoptions do that. Um, have, I don't know. I just feel like it was 
like when I was like in first grade, I think I remember like having a picture of my birthday and being like, oh, that's so special. Like, and just like have a little picture. Like my mom wasn't like, oh, we're going to hide those. That's not your real mom. You know, my mom was like, oh yeah, Carla set this for you. Here's a picture of her you can look at, you know, just keeping it normal, keeping it part of like the regular dialogue and explaining it to the kids in a way that they can understand. And then as they get older and ask questions, just answer the questions. And, um, and then, yeah, like I think the fact that Carla wrote down Scandinavian was her, was my birth dad's ancestry. Like, um, you know, just me having that little morsel maybe feel just like a little bit like connected to something. And, you know, I think just giving, um, yeah, giving bits of knowledge like that to kids early on is so helpful. Yeah. And, um, and when they get, cause kid adoptees get curious, they get very curious. Every adoptee has like a fantasy of what life might've been like if they had stayed with their birth family. I got to visually see that every year, every summer. And, um, so I didn't have as much of like this fantasy in my head about, wow, like what would it have been like if I wasn't adopted? And, I think that kids that have closed adoptions, their fantasy goes wild in their head. Like it can go anywhere and they can wonder like my life was, might be better if I was, wasn't adopted or, but for me, I got to see what my life would have been like. And it wasn't that it was like bad or worse. It was just that I could see it. I'm like, Oh, these are good people that love me. And I, I, you know, I have a home and a family already that have good people that love me. And so I don't need it. I don't need to not be adopted. I'm glad I'm adopted. And I don't know. I just think that, that like any little bit of information helps a, a child so that they feel secure in the story that they have. Yeah. Maybe that's more correctly. Mm-hmm. So we've talked to a couple of other adoptees mm-hmm. who grew up with open adoptions and we've heard sometimes it might be a challenge to grow up with this open adoption and then take over the relationship where mm-hmm. you're managing the relationship with your bio family. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that was really the case or do you feel like maybe you kind of took some ownership of your relationships with your birth family when you started going up to Seattle yeah. as a teenager? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. That's a really good point. Yeah. I think that I started kind of having my, like my own, what's not control, but just like, yeah, ownership. Like, yeah. like, oh yeah, I'm like, bye guys. I'm going to Seattle. I'll see you in like a couple weeks. Cause I would go see my birth family and then I'd go see my, my mom's sister, my aunt Marty, and then the, the doctor who became my uncle. <laughs> yeah. So I'd, I would kind of do like a Seattle tour and see family. And, um, yeah, I feel like because I had my own like individual experience with them as like a, a teenager, um, we kind of like established our own thing and they always knew I was going back home in a couple weeks. You know what I mean? So I feel like yeah, it wasn't hard for me to manage um, just because of the the way that our relationships molded over time as a teenager. Yeah. They got to see like, yeah, Devonie's like her own person. Like she's up here like being all independent, making her own choices. And I think just maybe it probably has a lot to do with like the emotional maturity of the parties involved. But I feel like, yeah, I feel like it was not hard for me specifically in my story to when after I was 18, just when I was... I was in college and my grandma was like, would you like to come for Christmas sometime? My grandma Fran, I was like, oh, I'd love to come for Christmas. So I, I think I was after my freshman year in college. I did Christmas with my grandma, yeah. you know, and that was really special. And it was just, it was my choice and yeah. it was really fun. That's awesome. Yeah. And you felt like that was fine. Like yeah. your adopted family was cool with it. Oh yeah. yeah they were, great. like I said, my mom was just like, oh, that's great. My mom loves grandma Fran, you know? Yeah. Like I said, I think my mom was very confident in her, like, she, my mom was very confident that, that she was my mom, even though she didn't birth me, she was very confident in her relationship with me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that 
she had no problem with that at all. My mom's goal, and she always tells me this, I, I wish she could be my mom. <laughs> She's like, I wanted to raise independent daughters. I didn't want them to be like, like grasping at my apron strings on their way, you know, to college. Like my mom was, she raised very independent girls. She, she wanted us to be confident and independent and know how to make our way in the world. And that's just who she is. And I think it probably has to do with the fact that she lost her mom at 13 and she just really, my mom was the oldest daughter of all of this family that joined together, the Jolly Stones. She took on a lot of responsibility at 13 and, um, or actually I think she was 14 or 15 when, I think she was 14 when they, the families joined, but yeah, she just took it on responsibility and she just, I think she, she grew up really fast because of that. And she just didn't want us to, to be, um, like hindered by like a crutching, like, um, sense of like, Oh, I, I can't do this without my family or my mom. Like she just wanted us to be independent and confident going into the world. So, yeah. I love that. She does sound amazing. She's fantastic. Yeah. All right. So in your experience, do you feel like openness in your adoptions affected any trauma or struggles? Um, I think probably affected in a good way. If that's, if that can go that way. Yeah. I just feel like, um, I under, because of what I know about my birth mother and my birth father's family history, um, it totally makes sense that like they were in a place where they couldn't, um, raise a baby. Actually, my, my birth dad, like if he had known about it, I think he would have been like right on it. And he would have been like, yeah, like I'll help you raise this baby for sure. But like my birth mom was not, she was actually, in a, she was in a good place because she was, um, she had decided like, I'm going to, I'm going to go to Seattle. She was, you know, grew up in Lacey, Washington, Olympia area. She's like, I'm going to go out into the world. And just like, you know, cause they, they have their own, everyone has their own trauma. Right. So she had her own family trauma from her, her family, you know, like everyone does, but she decided she wanted to just make her way and have this like safe w- world for herself in Seattle separate from her family. And, um, so me knowing her story, um, kind of like helps me to have grace with my own like childhood traumas. When I was nine, my parents got divorced actually. Um, my, you know, my parents who adopted me, they got divorced when I was nine. Um, and that was obviously very, very difficult. Like it never crossed my mind. Well, well, they're divorced. So I shouldn't have ever been adopted. That never crossed my mind at all. Like I mean, because I think people have asked me like, oh my gosh, that's so weird that you were adopted, but that your parents got divorced. Doesn't that kind of defeat the whole point? And I'm like, no, like it's called having a strong mom who can take on anything she needs to take on. That was my mom, (laughs) you know? So, um, anyway, so it's like, yeah, I, I feel like knowing my birth parents story and knowing what they went through and especially what my ancestors went through. I mean, my birth dad's grandmother, um, Isnes Pierce grew up on the reservation, you know, and, and so like, I, I know all that story now. I'm like, whoa, like what they went through is insane, you know? And like my, my birth dad was raised for quite a long time by his grandma, who's Nez Pierce. And so it's kind of cool. Like he has this like strength and resilience from her and what, you know, what, she, what she and her ancestors, our ancestors went through. And like, it just trickles down. I hope I'm answering the question correctly. It was just how, like how, being having an open adoption has affected my, like any trauma. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I just think that like, I know, especially like knowing my birth mom's, um, fa- like family trials and traumas of her childhood that really like helps me with perspective. I'm like, Oh wow. I've got a, I've got a 
good. I've got it real good. And you know, my, my birth mom's dad's ancestors, they were all part of like the Oklahoma dust bowl. They were just like, there's a picture of that. I don't know how there's even a picture because they were so dirt poor. There's a picture of them um, in front of a tent, like with, there's like a dirt, it's dirt everywhere. And I was like, Oh, were they camping? And, and my grandma's like, Oh no, they were dirt poor. They lived in a tent. Like this was like, they they had to leave Oklahoma. They went to Texas. I'm like, Whoa. Like, so that was a massive poverty and later massive like alcoholism from that poverty that trickled down through the generations. Um, and you know, affected a lot of people, but just like, just knowing that story helps me just like have so much compassion and understanding for how events, like why events happened in her life. And, you know, it just, it kind of, yeah, the openness of it gave me perspective on my trials. I'm like, Oh, I can get through some really hard stuff because they all went through some really hard stuff. This just is how it is. And it's how we, it's how we, what choices we make through the trials that, that affect our outcomes. Yeah. So I'd say it had a big effect on the knowledge of being open and option really helped me know that. Well, that helped you know your strength. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. So just looking at the entire adoption community, what do you think some of maybe the biggest challenges are? And do you have any thoughts on actions we could do to help? Okay. Um, let's see here. So the challenges, I think right now there are so many people that want to adopt them. And I think, I think it's really hard to find, um, like birth mothers who want to place their babies. I mean, that's, I mean, I, I don't know a lot about it right now. Um, except for my husband and I, we dealt with infertility. And so we were starting to look into adoption and I had two leads and both fell through and I was so heartbroken. Um, and, um, then we had this like miracle fertility story, (laughs) but yeah, like I just remember how, um, I was really overwhelmed by the legal process of like, I'm like, yeah, my husband was like on board, let's adopt. So like, we were like, okay, let's start to like figure out how we do this. And so, but then I guess as we were starting that, I had two people come out of the woodwork and be like, Hey, my best friend, she is having a baby. Um, she isn't ready to be a mom. She would love to place with someone who understands adoption and she knows your story. Da, 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 da. Would you be interested? And I'm like, absolutely we would be. And meanwhile, we're doing fertility treatments because we were in the middle of that. And then, um, I'm like, yeah, here's my information. Da, 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 da. And then like the birth mom, I think she ended up keeping the baby, which I know is, which is fantastic if that's her choice. And so that didn't go anywhere. And then the other one was my sister's coworker, same thing, like, you know, didn't mean to get pregnant, but wanted to place the baby. And so I was like, oh, that's so, yeah, I'd love to, love to talk to you about it. And then, so we were kind of starting to talk to my sister and she was kind of relaying some information. And then we found out we were pregnant. Um, but I just know from that tiny little, like putting our toe in the water of like just beginning to look into adoption, I know it can be so overwhelming. Like, you know, you're going to be doing all this legal stuff. And it's like, you've got this huge, just like chasm of, okay, we want a baby and there's the opportunity for a baby, but there's this giant grand Canyon in front of us. And I think that's maybe from my tiny experience with that is like, oh, wow. Like, it seems like it would be so overwhelming to try and begin the process and, and to go, go through the whole process. Um, and I feel like, yeah, I mean, I don't really know now that like the, the, agency that I knew the most about LDS family services, they don't do those adoptions anymore. I know it's just hard for people to get connected with their babies. I think that's, that's, that's the chasm that I know about. But as far as, 
um, I, I would hope that birth, birth moms and birth parents would know like, um, like, yeah, um, it, it's wonderful. Like, I'm so grateful I'm adopted. I'm so grateful my birth mom, when I was engaged and I was living in Seattle, actually, I, I did my internship in Seattle. And, um, after I graduated, I, I moved back there for, uh, cause I loved my friends I made during my internship. Um, I was, I got engaged and my, and my soon to be husband was in Idaho still doing school. But she just told me one day at lunch, she's like, she's like, she's like, I am so grateful I made that choice. It's the best decision I ever made. Like she just loved seeing this future laid out for me. And she just said, I, I feel like placing you with your family was the best choice I ever made. And I'm like, whoa, like, I'm so grateful. She feels so good about it. I'm so grateful that she has so much peace about it. And it just like made me feel like a million bucks, like that, like the way my life has gone, not like, Oh, she has this money or da, 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 da. It's just, she's just so grateful that she sees that her choice that she made led to so many wonderful outcomes and opportunities for me, you know, because she can't affect what choices I make, but she can, she was the person who affected the opportunities that came my way. Um, so I would say like, from my birth mom's own mouth, like placing me with my family, so be, you know, be particular with who you place with. She felt really good about my family. So be particular with the family you place with and trust your choice because you're giving your, you're giving your child a lifetime of opportunity. Obviously you can't, you can't make that, that kid can't, you can't force them to make certain choices, but you gave them all those opportunities that are going to be down their path. Um, well, one thing that was, um, every once in a while kind of affected me just a little bit was having like a cousin say, well, you're not our real cousin because you're adopted. Yeah. Like that always really bugged me, but they believe me, they would get like a very firm talking to later <laughs> because it, you know, I told you about that Jolly Stone family that my mom came from this blended family. We were all cousins to each other and, Half of the people weren't actually related to each other because it was a step family that had joined. And so like when one of those cousins from that, that family, that blended family would say to me, well, well, you're not, you know, you're not really our cousin because you're adopted. I'm like, well, you're not really cousins with Tyler because you guys are steps. Like our parents are step siblings. So it doesn't matter. Like, it's just kind of funny. Like just, I'm like, you guys are ridiculous. And so I always felt like they're my cousins because of the relationships we had and the memories and experiences we had. But yeah, there there are two cousins in particular who I still love, but I had to explain to them adoption doesn't mean that we're not cousins. It just means that's the way we became cousins. You know what I mean? So I just say like, but kids kids just have to learn that like because they're they're just like they're just growing up in this world. They're just learning like oh yeah, there we need kids need to know like there is a thing called adoption and the genetics are a thing. So it's okay that it's okay that we're not blood related, but like don't make that. A, don't make that a deal, like a big deal to kids. I don't know. But like, I, I've like most of my experiences and even with those specific cousins have been fantastic. It's just a little random thing. Like that's not my defining, like my defining experience that's made our relationship with them. But it is a, a funny little thing that I remember being a kid and being like, that's messed up. Like, don't talk to me like that. <laughs> like I'm your cousin. So get used to it. <laughs> like, um, so um, yeah, but like, I think it's just the main over like arching theme that I've just always felt. And especially my mom's expenses. Yeah. Love is not territorial. The more people have love, the better, the more people you love and care about the better, the more people that love you and care about you, the better. Um, 
you can't have enough people to love, you know? And I think that was a huge, a huge part of our, of our story. Yeah, I think that's all I've got to say for now, but this has been so amazing and so fun. Like I said, I could talk for a year about this. <laughs> Incredible. Thank you so very much. You're welcome. So valuable. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks so much to Devani for her willingness to share her story and to help us learn from her experience. Yes, I loved talking to Devani. I loved her focus on genealogy and family history. I loved how comfortable and confident she was in relating to and identifying with both her adoptive family and her biological family and how she really felt like a part of both. I just loved how there was so much trust between all of the parties and her adoption where both of her families trusted each other. She was doing summertime visits with biological family and I just thought that was so neat. Such a cool story and such a great example of how we can have trust and openness. And in this situation, I loved seeing how it helped this individual grow up with so much confidence in who she is. Yeah, I really, man, there are so many things that she shared that I just really, really enjoyed listening to. Um, I love her persistence and when seeking for her birth father, going through ancestry DNA and finding, you know, fourth cousins and kind of doing some detective work. Um, I know that takes a lot of work and to lead to the right situation and the right place, like a lot has to come together to make that happen. And it's awesome that she does that to help other people as well. Um, and we've, I mean, on the podcast, we've talked to a lot of people that have been searching for family or have found family and, and several of them have done so through DNA. So I'm glad that she shared that experience. And I really loved how she just talked about developing resilience by understanding your heritage um, and knowing the difficulties that, you know, generations and generations ago have gone through um, and because they were able to overcome and prevail, uh, we can gain strength from that. And so I just gained this new perspective of understanding the adoptees' perspective and in knowing some of their family history or genealogical history and the strength that can come from knowing stories and accounts from those in your family tree. Yeah, yeah, understanding those who come before you and how that can help you better know yourself and your present. Yeah, I think that's really beautiful. I really have enjoyed these last couple of episodes, our discussion with Sarah last week and our discussion, or I guess it was two weeks ago, and our discussion with Devaney in this episode. I just felt so enriched and so informed in getting some more perspectives from these adults who grew up as adoptees, right, with these experiences with open adoption. And I just feel like it was really eye-opening for me and really encouraging to persist and keep working on these open adoption relationships that it's worth it. And yeah, just a really beautiful experience for me. I hope that these episodes have been enriching for you too. Yeah, I think maybe one last thought that I'll share before we wrap up. Um, she shared a little bit about her mom um, and how she 
has helped to support the, the relationships that she had with others. And um, for me as an adoptive father with four kids who have open relationships with their biological families, it just helps me be even more committed, recommitted to making sure that I'm doing everything I can to provide the connection that they need with their birth families. So again, thank you so much to Devani and for sharing your story with us and being with us. Uh, we will be back in your feed in two weeks. And until then, thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Open Adoption Project. <laughs>